This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm Kate Andrews and I'm joined today by James Forsyth and Katie Balls. So it's been roughly 23 hours since the Chancellor laid out a 15 billion support package in addition to what he's previously announced to help people with the cost of living crunch, particularly uh, the lowest income households. Katie, so far, what has the reaction been like? We know that the Chancellor has been doing the media round defending his proposals. How are they going down? I think it's a pretty mixed reaction. In terms of the front pages, I think Rishi Sunak definitely, generally speaking, uh, received much more positive press for the announcement yesterday than he did his spring statement, which was uh, really across the shop criticised, whether it was criticised on one side for not being conservative enough, uh, for not cutting enough taxes, or on the other side for not offering enough support for the most vulnerable. Whereas what you're seeing here is that some of the front Page is saying, you know, we'll finally Chancellor, but generally a sense that this is well targeted. I think Rishi Sunak has also received some praise from the Institute for Fiscal Studies that this, uh, yes, it comes with its own risks, some which we discussed yesterday and will further on the Saturday edition of the podcast, but generally speaking, it's targeted the most vulnerable. I think that has landed well. Where, of course, you were getting criticism, and especially in some of the right leaning papers and this echoed in parts of the Tory party, is Yes, people are saying, oh, you need this relief, but when are you going to start cutting taxes? Mm-hmm. And that obviously, and if you look at the announcement yesterday, if anything suggested the opposite. And then I, I think in terms of the Tory party, I think there are, there are lots of MPs who are quite glad they had things to point to. They really were thinking they were incredibly vulnerable in the issue of cost of living. I think ministers doing the morning round felt this being sent out saying, well, everything's on the table. A lot of things are on the table. We don't know what's going to, you know, be, be used from it. And I think, therefore, have, having a list of things, even the windfall tax to say, you know, things are funded, has some support. Of course, you do have some Tory MPs who are very anti this. And I think where you can start to see some unease growing are some of the comments from you know, the energy companies are suggesting that this might make them rethink their plans. And of course, that is going to expose those cabinet tensions, people like Kwasi Kwarteng, the business secretary, who were worried that this could lead to something like that um, if it does start to stop investment. Well, indeed, James, before the windfall tax was announced to pay for a chunk of the spending announcements yesterday, you did have several cabinet ministers coming out in different parts of the press suggesting that they wouldn't support it. Since then, all has been quiet. What feedback do you think the Treasury will be getting, not just from cabinet, but from Tory MPs over the weekend? So I think think Katie said this yesterday. I think she's right. I think the windfall tax is, with, with the kind of middle ground of Tory MPs, basically popular. I think the fact that there is enough of this investment allowance essentially deals with the concern, right? And it is also easier to defend it, given that the boss of BP has said publicly before the tax was announced that a windfall tax wouldn't change what their investment priorities are. I think people will watch to see what happens with the North Sea and whether it has an effect or not. I personally think that because we are moving into this era of structurally higher gas prices, not just because of Europe's need to get off Russian gas, but also because China, the world's second largest economy, is transitioning from coal to gas, I think that investment in the North Sea is not going to be particularly affected by this tax because you know there is so much money to be made by getting gas out of the ground right now. It's, it's going to carry on. So I think, I think that, is, that is where the tension is. I think the big 
next question is, you know, this is an, a, a, a package very squarely aimed at energy prices. And energy prices to date have been, I think, what people have what the public, how the public have felt this cost of living squeeze. I mean, the question is, you know, does this cost of living squeeze move into other areas? You had Andrew Bailey warning about food prices the other day. Or, you know, does it remain con kind of contained on energy? And then I think the other question is, you know, what is going to happen to the economy more broadly? Are we going to end up avoiding a recession? I think if the government had not acted yesterday, a recession would have been inevitable. I still think that, you know, you're not out of the woods on that question yet. Katie, as you mentioned... A lot of Tories will be happy that they have something to point to now when they're asked what the government's doing to deal with the cost of living crunch. And the Tories seem to have taken the wind out of Labour's sails a bit because they didn't just implement the windfall tax, they went further than what the Labour Party was suggesting. But it doesn't seem like that's going to last for very long. You know, calls for more spending and more support are surely going to come soon. Do you think that the Chancellor has given his MPs enough now that they can robustly defend what the government has done? Or do you think we're going to continue to see calls even within the Tory party for more spending? So I think more generally you'll see calls for more spending and we already did yesterday. You know, there's some coming out to say that. I think within the Tory party, well, I think James makes a good point in his Times column today, which, you know, this probably gets you through six months and then what happens? And Rishi Sunak speaking this morning appeared to at least be open to more spending. So I, so I do wonder if this is, you know, I think now you've done this once, are we going to have a situation where actually, you know, more is required later down the line. You look at what the Treasury's been saying. They have been saying, we'll look at energy bills quite consistently, but, you know, not wanting to do it until they, they knew more about it. So it's not exactly, you know, learning from mistakes. But I think they clearly want to leave that plenty of options on the table, depending on how, how the economy looks. So I think if, uh, you know, cost of living you know, continues to be very difficult, if some of these warnings, uh, quite horror warnings from the Bank of England come through, such as, you know, apocalyptic food prices, you can start to see a situation where I think pressure in some parts of the Tory party would grow. How is Rishi Sunak going to respond to that? Well, we have the autumn budget. I think there's going to be huge pressure on Rishi Sunak and that autumn budget to cut taxes. If you look at, uh, you know, his comments yesterday in the chamber, he was saying, you know, we are going to get to some of this stuff, trying to show a bit of leg we could say um <laughs> no certain parts of the party but i think if in the budget you don't start to see any of this i think that's when you'll have one side of the party say you know we really are have gone down an avenue now that we're not comfortable with just as that counterintuitively i think a cheaper package yesterday would have been more expensive because i think if you had done less yesterday as Katie said, there have been huge demands for more spending. And you might well have had to come back and do more, and that would have ended up cumulatively costing you more. I mean, the reason the government went for such a big package, £15 billion package, is that, I mean, this now presents, you know, to use Katie's example of the morning, right? You know, this now creates a defensible position from which the government can realistically hope to get to the autumn budget rather than having to make more and more interventions over the summer. I mean, the government the government has now got itself ahead of this cost of living crisis, really, for the first time. Mm. But it may not be ahead of every political battle. Looking at the headlines this morning, you would think that the big news this week was indeed the windfall tax and this £15 billion support package. But of course, Sue Gray did publish her rather damning report earlier in the week. Um, it's, it's caused serious ripples, but there's been a lot of other things to focus on. James, it does feel like the results and, and the findings in that report are still bubbling amongst the party. Yeah, look, I think you've had a, 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 a trickle of Tory MPs coming out saying that they can't support the Prime Minister anymore, putting in letters. 
I, I still think that the moment of maximum danger for Boris Johnson is this privileges committee investigation into whether he misled the House of Commons or not. And if he did so, I think it's obviously clear he did so in that he told them no rules are broken. Then the crucial question becomes whether he did so deliberately or not. It is, it is not a resigning offence to inadvertently mislead the House, although you are meant to correct the record as quickly as possible. And I think Boris Johnson will need an explanation for why he waited until the conclusion of a Grey report to, to correct the record. The word at the moment in Westminster is that you know the, the, the three PPSs who are on the committee will resign their government jobs to, to stay on the committee. And I think that, I think the question then becomes you know, what does this committee conclude? We expect Labour to ask Harriet Harman to to step in and chair it because it's a Labour chair and Chris Bryant has stepped down. So because because he has kind of prejudged the the Prime Minister on this question. So I, mean, I think we are we are now into a very interesting question of what does the Privileges Committee say? I think it is quite clear looking at where the numbers lie now is that if the Privileges Committee did conclude that, that, that Boris Johnson had deliberately misled the House, Boris Johnson would not have the votes to overturn that verdict on the on the floor of the House of Commons. So I think we are now in a situation where you know we've gone from waiting for Grey to waiting for the Privileges Committee. That might not be quick. I was talking to one government minister the, the other day, and he pointed out to me that when the Privileges Committee last did a, looked at whether someone had deliberately misled the House, it was a, a businessman speaking to a select committee, it took them nearly two years to come to a conclusion. Mm. Katie, some people will continue to be fascinated by Partygate, frustrated by it. They will pay attention to all the next steps. Some people are tired of it, decide, have decided it doesn't matter anymore. But regardless of where you fall, most people have already made up their minds about what they think happened during that time and what they think the Prime Minister's role was. Given the fact that he has made it through every hurdle so far, isn't he feeling rather safe now? I think you could see from the Prime Minister's almost his body language when the report broke on Wednesday when he's speaking in the chamber that he felt fairly confident it, it was going to um, not end in disaster as some of the predictions had been. I think in terms of how safe the Prime Minister is, I mean, I imagine listeners, myself too, you know, we keep hearing, oh, it's going to be this, and then we wait, and then we need to wait again. So it wouldn't be correct to say he's completely safe. There is this trickle going on in the background of letters. You you know, it's bubbling along. It's not a massive rush. It doesn't feel as though we're imminently um, reaching a confidence vote. But again, we have by-elections coming up next month. You always have the chance that the Prime Minister could just say something which leads many others to think actually we don't want to stay with this there's always uh, that chance with yes. this prime minister <laughs> and you and i think actually crucially as you say lots of people have made up their mind on this and i think in number 10 the focus over the past few months has been really quite single focused in many ways on winning over mps so some of these new policies are also aimed at voters such as the rwanda policy but i think when it comes to engagement when it comes to more consulting and when it comes to that downing street shake-up which has more mps in downing street and much more what does the parliamentary party think if you think to how mps for so long under boris johnson were saying oh we're just completely ignored they're shored up boris johnson's position quite successfully if you think about how much worse things could be for boris johnson quite successfully through doing that but but that does mean, I think as one MP said to me, that there's been less focus in their mind on what's actually going to win the public background. And I, I would say probably that 
MPs appear to be more forgiving than members of the public when it comes to the past few months, whether that is cost of living or party gate. So how does Boris Johnson now switch focus when he's not still not completely safe to start getting back to the point which is is doing better in the polls if the Tory party look as though they are narrowing that Labour lead and actually it's going the opposite direction really quite big Labour lead at the moment you need to get to a point where you can start to remedy that before you can really think about whether Boris Johnson is fighting fit for an election. James and Katie thanks for joining me and if today's discussion was just too civilized for you join in for Spectator's Saturday Shots tomorrow where James Fraser and I have a showdown over the economic future of the Tory party hosted by Katie Balls. <laughs>